Hello and welcome back to episode 7 of the UCFB Football Podcast, sponsored by Blue Check Wembley. So lads, how did we get on last week? Let's start with you, Connor. Um, the Furs won 11-0. Uh, becoming a bit of a, a common theme this season, I think. Uh, beating teams by big margins. Uh, we played Bucks New Men's 3s, the same team we played on the opening day of the season, where we beat them 11-1. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Jack Crask not getting his clean sheet due to a penalty. This game week we didn't make the same mistake and uh, came out with the clean sheet but being just as ruthless with 11 goals, um, really punishing them right till the last minute. I think that uh, they, they were never really in the game. It was always just going to be a case of how many, to be honest. To be fair, they fielded a stronger team than they did last time. There was a lot of um, physical lads in the team. I don't know whether they brought in blokes from the rugby team or what. That seems to be what teams do against us once they've played us once, just try and hurt us. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was to no avail really because we still just absolutely played them off the park um, yeah the scorers this week uh, Seamus Drake came off the bench I think he came off the bench in like the 70th minute and scored a hat-trick so big impact sub uh, Donashi got two Kilner scored two McMillan got the opener with one goal uh, Lucas scored one Braden Page got his first goal of the season with a 30-yard deflected screamer that he uh, let us know about all the way home on the uh, on the hour-long bus journey. So uh, and deflected then... screamer seems a bit like a, a bit of an oxymoron, doesn't it? It, does, it doesn't quite yeah. doesn't quite sound. Well, the two words don't really go together. Was it, was it on target say, before? I say deflected it screamer. We called it deflected. He called it a screamer. So, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jude came on as a sub as well and also scored a very good goal into the top bins. It, like I said earlier, it was just a case, it was going to be a case of how many. The game did start off a bit more evenly than it did in on opening day, and I thought maybe it'd only be like four or five, but then we just really kicked on in the second half and just absolutely destroyed them. Really, uh, don't really know what else I can say. I think they had probably one shot on goal that was a half chance that wasn't really troubling for our keeper. So just a complete demolition job, to be honest. It's the most comprehensive win I've seen all season. So puts us in good stead going into the next game and. Uh, of confidence I think we can probably wrap up the league in these next next few game weeks so uh, it's all, all looking on the up for the thirds it's alright for some isn't it yeah speaking of that how did the women get on this week Sean I'm very happy to say the women got their first win of the season Yay. In... Hey. can we just have a round of applause <laughs> finally yeah a 7-0 win against Chichester who we lost to uh, 2-1 on the opening day um, this time their manager said to to our coach and staff that they were fielding a, a different side that was made up of um, uh, slightly less talented players, I suppose. Not not the usual first team picks. So straight away, you know, we, we we were close to getting a result in in game week one against their their best side. So, um, yeah. So if Chichester field in uh, a weaker side than we faced on game week one, um, there was a sense that we'd be able to do a lot better than we had. Um, and get a result this time around, and um, that sort of happened straight away. I think it was the minute that we took the lead in um, uh, it was Savannah that um, that got on the score sheet first and then from then the floodgates opened by the 32nd minute we were 5-0 up um, at that point Charlie Cowper had, had bagged two for herself including a penalty um, Charlie Rollison who's one of the smallest players in the team scored a header from a corner and it's the first goal she's ever scored um, for the women's academy so we were really happy for her um, but you know by half time it was clear that um, the, the, the Chichester side that we were facing was nowhere near the the standard of the one that we had faced on game week one so at half time it was how many can we go and get um, and then from then onwards uh, in the first 15 minutes of the second half uh, we grabbed another couple 
Charlie completed her hat trick, which is great for me for the UCFB bingo. And Kira Perdue. Uh, after a VAR call, though, wasn't it? It was so that that, that yeah. was that was my mistake, right? So, oh yeah, that old chestnut. Harry Kane vibes. So the <laughs> the, the, ang- the angle I had seen it from, it looked like the cross had gone in direct, like straight from the cross. Um, but Charlie did manage to get a touch on it. Um, it was it was just my angle. It looked like she didn't. So I thought it was like a really terrible error from the keeper. Um, but no, she showed some uh, good instinct to manage to get on the end of the cross. Um, Kira got her third assist with that goal as well. So. Again for the UCFB bingo, that's that's done me some good. Um, Kira had a fan- fantastic game down the left hand side. Um, she got two goals and three assists, so she was instrumental in this week's win. Um, and she shared the player of the match award with Savannah. Um, so yeah, again a, a really dominant win. Um, and yeah, UCFB get their first win of the season, taking us to four points overall. Um, so we're still bottom at the moment. But uh, with another good couple of game weeks, we could maybe catch up with the rest of the pack and avoid relegation. I think as well, what's the the promising thing about that is obviously last week was a disappointing result. Um, but having scored a similar amount of goals, mm. um, it's the the defensive stability, being able to not concede and, and keep a clean sheet as well, which will do... Uh, the team the world of good yeah it was the first first clean sheet of the season so um, that's something that we've really really missed and hopefully going from that we'd be able, we'll be able to kick on and, and keep keep more and keep a, a lot more goals out than we have because our defensive record has been pretty shocking so far um, but you know it looks like the front three are really really starting to work well together now and they're dangerous every attack looks like it can can finish in a goal Um so yeah, really positive things coming out of the Women's Academy at the moment. So Dylan, welcome back after a couple of weeks off uh, with your operation. Little holiday. Yeah. Good to be back. How uh, how did the seconds get on? Uh, so with the seconds, it was a similar story to the thirds. Uh, we were against Goldsmith, um, who we played in the first game of the season. And in that game, we beat them 9-1. Uh, so in this game, Yusuf um, B were looking for something similar. Uh, they started off the. They started off uh, in the exact same formation, four one four one. No reason to change things. Everything's going well. The team's unbeaten, and they scored a minimum of three, three at least three goals in every game. Um, one difference was that Sam Mercer uh, was back on the right wing. Uh, he only played the first game against Goldsmith as well, and he hasn't been in the team since. But he started um, against Goldsmith again. Uh, so UCFB started on the front foot, and uh, we're just just attacking and attacking and. It looked like only a matter of time before they were going to score. And then uh, in the 20th minute, Taylor Warden uh, opened the scoring with an incredible goal from outside the box. Nice to see him get um, a goal like this because like, all of his previous goals have sort of been him sort of running down the wing and sort of dribbling. It's nice to see him nice to see him show something else in his locker. Um, and then the uh, second goal came from James Wells. Um, he's the tallest player on the team. But uh, and it's but every, every, all of his goals sort of just don't even come from headers. Like it seems like every time he comes forward from corners and for set pieces, he always somehow manages to get on the ball and get a goal. It's, just, it's the same thing again. So we've got a goal. And then the third goal in the first half uh, was actually an own goal from one of the goalsmiths defender. Someone managed to uh, kick the ball into his own net, one for the bingo card. So uh, um, UCB up three now at half time, um, and they're looking to score more. They're looking to produce something similar to the first game. Uh, started the second half the exact same way as the first half. Uh, eventually got a penalty, which uh, 
Hero uh, converted. Unfortunately, he didn't go for the Penenka. And then um, Sam Mercer, who came, who came back uh, starting on the right, um, he scored. And then shortly after, Goldsmith um, scored their one and only consolation goal. Unfortunately, not to keep the clean sheet after keeping the first one last week from the assistant manager who subbed in goal in the cup game. Uh, shortly after that, Yusef B um, played a short corner and then the ball fell to Laws Nicholas, who was eventually able to chip the keeper. Another one for the bingo card. Oh, wow. So bingo's really hotting up at the minute then. Yeah. What is everyone on? Uh, so with the hat-trick that the Women's Academy got and the hat-trick of assists, that takes the Women's Academy to four out of ten. That's pretty good going. I mean, considering before um, the fixture against St. Mary's, I had zero on the board. Two game weeks later, I've got four. So um, we had a slow start at the Women's Academy, but we're starting to catch up. How about you, Dylan? Where, where are the... The, second yeah, the seconds are now on 5 out of 10 after a couple of weeks ago they got the Ronaldo celebration and in this game against Goldsmith they were able to get the own goal in the chip uh, the thirds are on 7 out in front we're absolutely flying at the minute uh, I think we only need um, Penenka, a chip and a bicycle kick so all, all very attainable for us especially with the amount of goals we're scoring in games at the minute you'd think uh, you'd back us to get at least one or two of them yeah so. you think the chip is probably the easiest of those three to get and with the amount of goals that the third score it's probably just a matter of time now really isn't it yeah you think so well I like to think so the thing is though the chip is not something you can force yeah you it's can't got yeah, it's got to be the right position mm -hmm. and and stuff like that does it have to be over the keeper can what do you mean does it have to be over the keeper well of course it does yeah. save rounded the keeper no if you just do a little dink <laughs> into the net no. it's not counting no it's got to be over the keeper <laughs> Well, the only way I'll give it to you is if you've rounded the keeper and there's a defender on the line and you chip the <laughs> That would be filthy. Yeah. Um, but the, the the first team are... We've got five as well, so we're actually drawing with the... Seconds. We're actually drawing with the seconds. So, but we got the Ronaldo celebration last week, which I was very happy about. Woo! But yeah, the amount that we try overhead kicks... I feel like it's only a matter of time. We we've genuinely I think we've tried it at least once every game. And I don't know whether they're just ambitious or they're really trying to win the bingo for me. <laughs> but it's it, I, I feel like it's got it's coming. Well, then, just the amount they try it, it's it I feel like it's coming. Has anyone been close to scoring any of them? Well see so Giorgio had one that was like on target and the keeper struggled with, but um, it was called. Fat, it was already called back, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was already yeah. called back for an offside or something like that. And it was like, it, out of all the attempts there's been, mm. it was the the best one. It was right in the top corner, too, yeah. wasn't it? Like, it it would have been a crazy goal. The keeper did very well to get there, um, but yeah, I feel like the amount that the the team is trying it. I just, I don't know. I've just got a funny. Like it wouldn't even surprise me if we scored one just for the amount that the first try it. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've stuck around for a couple of the, the first team games. Um, and I think collectively, like over a few weeks, I've seen about an, an hour's worth of football from, from the first. But twice I've seen them attempt it. So it's, it's it says a lot about the personalities on that team and like the, the, the confidence that they've got at the moment um, for them to be trying it so often. Yeah, well, like our front three are a bang on form at the minute. Um, you know, they, they're... They're all firing on all cylinders and they're all gelling really well together. 
So it's it's something that they're obviously going to try. Like Giorgio's got six goal contributions in five games. Joe has got seven goal tr- contributions in five games, and Callum Norman's got three and four. So like they're 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 all at the top of their game, top confidence, and it's sort of great that they've come into that now because we're getting to the business end of the season, like where we said last week we can't really afford to not win any other games. Anyway, we digress. Dylan, back to the seconds. Uh, so the final two goals uh, came from the wingers, uh, Taylor Warden and Sam Mercer. Um, Goldsmith started playing a high line and then UCFB took advantage of it. So this puts UCFB on nine points in the league, um, six points clear of second place. Looking like they're going to win the league early this season, similar to last season with the seconds. Um, and yeah, good day for the bingo card as well. So uh, this is the first week where all four teams have won, isn't it? Well, that remains to be seen doesn't it because the first team game we, we still don't quite know what's happening it was uh it was abandoned early after uh, some really distasteful scenes at uh, around 75 minutes so we were obviously playing Hertfordshire at the top of the league and we knew how important a game it was you know the manager before the game sort of said you know boys you either win or you kiss the league goodbye it's it's as simple as that and to be honest I don't think that was dramatic I think that was the case and to be fair from the minute one of the warm up it seemed like there was something different like every player was so switched on so focused ready to go and they started really well and it was sort of against the run of play that Hertfordshire actually took the lead Um, but UCFB kicked on and they carried on playing well I must say that Joe Waite first half was unplayable he was absolutely outstanding up top and he they and he had he gave them an absolute nightmare he ended up assisting Giorgio twice uh for to pull the lead into UCFB's favor yeah we went into half time pretty comfortably at 2-1 after Giorgio had scored two goals in pretty quick succession and on the second one he even gave me the Ronaldo celebration which Done, a, done done me a massive favour on the bingo so we came out for the second half and it was like the message was more of the same let's put this game to bed and Hartford, the Hertfordshire players were getting agitated they couldn't really get anything out of the game They weren't, it wasn't it was the same players but they weren't playing the same sort of football that they played the first game of the season I think that was a credit to how well UCFB defended they set up n- not to be beaten and they defended really well. Callum Foster and Jacob Sim ran tirelessly in midfield, um, and it was it, both fullbacks in Jack Stockwell and Harry Nicholson had great games, um, with the the latter winning the man of the match. Um, and then yeah, everything just went all wrong on seventy five minutes. Seventy about that. Hertfordshire had a, a went through after a delicious through ball went through and put the ball in the back of the net um, and it was given as offside which whether it was or not is still to be debated we obviously don't know we don't have the sort of technology to to verify it or not because even though we've got the camera the angles a mm. bit dodgy and stuff like that um, but it, it, I think irregardless of whether it, it was offside or not what happened afterwards is inexcusable as to where even if it was the wrong decision mm-hmm. um 
the ref has decided to give it because obviously he can't see it. He's got to trust his linesman. Mm-hmm. And then Hertfordshire have just reacted in the completely wrong way. They're screaming at the ref, swearing. Lost their composure. Yeah, lost their composure completely. Um, and it even got to the point where they then started to put their hands on the ref. Uh, to which point he refused to continue to ref the game. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame him for that. Yeah, really, can you? no, it's it, completely unnecessary, first of all. It's that you, do you know what I mean? They still got 15 minutes to play. And, and to be fair to UCF, the UCFB players, they dealt with the situation really well. After the goal went in, they set up ready for kickoff. And while while the ref was making his decision, they were ready to play on at 2 2. They were ready to get back into the game. Um, and Hertfordshire, they were just berating the ref. Swearing, offering fights to players like it was—it was borderline embarrassing, to be honest. Um, and yeah, it got to the point where so obviously the game was stopped on seventy-five minutes. It was left at two-one because obviously the offside had been given. Um, and so we're sort of waiting to hear back from the league as to what what is going to become of this this game. Whether it's going to the three points are going to be awarded to UCFB, whether it's going to be replayed or what we don't know but it was a real shame to see sort of a new a, a ref that was obviously repping the game fairly and just doing his best mm-hmm. like we get treated like that because even even if the decision was wrong and he was off wasn't offside we're, we're all human we're all allowed to make mistakes and you can't treat people like that so um it was sort of a souring but UCFB felt like they'd won the game and yeah and by all accounts have until that's that gets overturned or changed or ordered that there's a replay so they uh they 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 definitely were in great spirits afterwards because it now puts them within two points of the uh top of the table which could obviously change if we have to replay the game but at the minute it's it it it's a gr- it is the perfect result going into the round of 16 cup tie this Wednesday that's all for part one. Join us for part two when we're going to do our first teammates segment with assistant manager for the thirds, Ollie Graham. If you're a student in Wembley, you definitely know about Blue Check Wednesdays. From 10.30 onwards, you can get in for free, so make sure you don't miss out. Okay, lovely. Right, I'm here today with the thirds assistant manager, Ollie Graham. Uh, I'm going to be asking him some uh, tricky questions about some of the boys in the thirds. I'm sure he can't wait to, uh, to, yeah, to fish some dirt. I cannot. Thank you for having me on, Connor. Very welcome. All right, I'll just get straight into it. Uh, we'll start off with a big one. Um, the worst dress sense. Oh. Oh, that's hard. I can, I can, I, I can tell you best dress sense, and that's definitely Lorenzo. Um, the Italian definitely comes out in him. I okay. can't think of worst dress. I'll have to give myself because I'm always in shorts and a funny so. All right. Fair enough. Um, second worst trim. There's, there's some big ones on it. <laughs> oh, I can't say anyone else other than Braden. I mean, it's his fault for having a hairline of a fourteen-year-old. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, the next question was best dress sense, but we've just got that was a uh, Lorenzo. Definitely Lorenzo. Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely Italian. That's all I can say. <laughs> uh, the worst at training. Worst at training. Oh, Mali. 
Harley. You always find some problems with the drill. <laughs> fair enough. Maybe that's just us setting up bad drills, but it's like it's always a, a chip in there. Yeah. Um, the most likely to miss a penalty. Throw Sam under the bus here because he's missed two penalties in this season. <laughs> but, yeah. Although I hold my hands up, that was me who told him to get on the pen against uh, this week. Uh, we did, did, we did, we did a session on penalties, and the last two were Alex, who's now out for a bit, and yeah. Sam, and the two penalties that Sam's taken uh, he's missed, and Alex hasn't taken one, so yeah, a bit shattered there. There was only one one answer to that one, there really. Yeah, really was. Uh, the best dancer. I don't think I've said enough. I mean, we've all been blue check after the games, but I, I really don't think I've said enough. I'll have to the wait on my judgment. I really can't throw anyone in deep end with that one. Um, I think you nominate a worst dancer based on what you've seen. Ben Bailey. He he. It's just <laughs> put one hand up. It's the Alan Shearer of dancers. Oh right, they got that old chestnut. Absolutely. Um, the best at karaoke. I know there's been a fair bit of this, so. Oh, um, I'd be wrong if I said anything other than me and Braden when Adele gets on. <laughs> we were absolutely smashed it last week. Um, leading on from the karaoke, the worst music taste. Hmm. See, I don't know because I feel like I have different music tastes to everyone else. Although, uh, again, Stitch Up Mali, uh, his initiation song is Louis Capaldi, which. I was surprised by, also don't agree with. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's... I have to say him. Um, the worst chat, be it with women or just in general. Oh god. Worst, worst chat with women. Uh, I'd probably say Ben Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I know there's a few lads that have got some whiffy chat on the team bus on the way home from them away days, but it's it's all it's all all good on the bus, but then it comes to a real situation and they're all tight lipped. Oh, right. Um, who's the the biggest ladies man? Opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, again, I might have to go Lorenzo. I mean, <laughs> we've heard his um his birthday story, and I won't plague you with that those details, but uh. Definitely, um, definitely a, a classy fella. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? He does. And lastly, who's got the best boots in the team, would you say? Oh. I can nominate worse boots because uh, Jordan's got, you know, those, those ones that look like socks without the laces on. Oh, um, yeah. He's definitely not good enough to pull those off. <laughs> uh, best boots? I haven't noticed boots yet, I'll... Something different to look at. Uh, yeah, I mean we can go with the worst boots and give it give it to Jordan. Definitely, I've got to stitch him up somehow on this, and I'm sure he'll love that. He will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the, that's been our teammates segment. Thank you very much, Ollie. Thank you. Oh, he's properly throwing some people under the bus there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the lads on the third team will absolutely love that. I'm sure there'll be some words <laughs> at training. I mean, but, um, you hit him with some questions where he couldn't really hide from it, could he? You sort of you threw him the difficult ones, and that, well, there were a couple where he he said he wasn't too sure, but that's just on. Uh, I I trust that he was telling the truth, but yeah, there was yeah. a couple that he maybe shied away from. 
didn't give a solid answer for. Yeah, he managed to double couple, dodge a couple of questions, but I'm more intrigued about that story with Lorenzo's birthday. No. That they got mentioned that we can do he, a segment on the, the escapades of Lorenzo next week, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> From the sounds of it, I feel like it doesn't, it wouldn't quite make. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'd get the PG rating if uh, <laughs> if we had that on. But um, maybe that's one to talk about off air then. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much to uh, assistant manager Ollie Graham for coming on the podcast to uh, dish some dirt on all of his teammates. Um, yeah, I think we should definitely do some more of those. That's a good little segment to have, and I think we'd be able to find out a bit more about the players from each other's teams that we maybe wouldn't know so much about. I think it's something that the players will be may, maybe be surprised about when they listen to the podcast as well. Yeah, we're not, we're not just uh, analysing their goals anymore. We're analysing every part of them, so... You'd be, you'd be listening to it, hearing a difficult question, I think, please, not me, please, not yeah. me, please, not me. They'll, I know they'll all be coming, coming correct with their dress sense and their music from now on, though. Yeah, standards, standards will be rising after this. Whoa, wait, wait. coming correct. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm not even Braden Turner, <laughs> great leg jeans and his <laughs> plimsolls from Primark no more. Uh, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> On that note, that is the end of part two. Uh, hello and welcome back to part three of the UCFB Football Podcast. Um, in this part, I've got a debate topic that I would like to bring up because uh, I think last game week, or maybe the one before, we had our captain, Ricky Kenny, and Jude Harding snatched from us <laughs> to uh, go off and play for the firsts. Um, so I just thought I'd bring it to the table about uh, should should that be happening? That's a great question. Personally, I don't think it should be happening because we need all of our players and they are two integral parts of our squad right in the heart of midfield. So uh, yeah. so, so this happened on a game week where the, the first didn't have a game. Yeah, you got knocked out of the cup, so we took your play, we took your plays. To be fair though, I think even if you were playing, I, I personally think the first should be able to. There have been occasions where we've had, like in past seasons, where we've had players taken from our game week yeah. to go and play for the first. Yeah, but they're the first team. They're the best team. So you're, the seconds and the thirds are, by definition, feeder teams to that they're team. They're like the academy. Yeah, imagine so. imagine if, if a player, if Ansu Fati, when he was at Barcelona B, was like balling out and Barcelona were like, yeah, we want him. And Barcelona B were like, nah, we need him. <laughs> yeah, if you're saying the first are the best, then... They should supposedly already have the best players. Yeah, but like so, yeah, two seasons ago. Take backsies. <laughs> two seasons ago, Greg having the power to take take players and drop players is what rejuvenated the squad and I think pushed us towards the league. And if if by the point where like both of you guys have wrapped up your league campaigns, you're knocked out of the cup, Connor. Like why? Why should we not be able to take those players, especially if they want to challenge themselves and play at a high level? Yeah, I, th- I think it would be any player's sort of goal to play with the first. If if you're playing football at university level and you get put in with the third, you know you're going to be happy to be on a team. But if you get the chance to go and play at a higher level and show off what you can do in a in a tougher surrounding, I think you'd want to take that chance. It's it's obviously unfortunate for the thirds that they get their players. Um, taken by the the first and the seconds, what have you, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it's a, a fair system for the for the guys in the 
in the lower teams that are working hard. I think they deserve their chance in I the first. I think it can really mess up our squad morale and our squad just in general because you get used to playing with these lads every week and then suddenly they're gone. And yeah, they're, they're in, or like I said before, they're massive parts of our team. Like Jude got our player of the month or just the overall player of the month last month. Uh, Ricky's our captain. Uh, both of them play the same position more or less in the heart of our midfield and that's where most of our our good play comes from so it's two players that could really mess up our season really yeah and okay on past occasions we have uh, we had uh, I think we had KT and Radzi drop down to us a couple of times a couple of seasons ago but I don't know what the, what, what it's like this season with us receiving players when they're being taken well yeah I can't imagine that you, it would just be a player comes so obviously you've got you've got to make room and you can't just have a player so that so but if what would you say to those players that say if yes Ricky is the captain of the thirds but if he was then offered the chance to play for the first team and he wanted to and you're going nah we can't we need you what what about say someone like Jude Bellingham who's at Birmingham and he's really good and Dortmund won him you like, nah, we need you. Is he meant to play in a lower league just because that team could do with him, or is he, or should he be allowed to move on? Maybe you can re- retire Ricky's shirt number <laughs> <laughs> once he moves to the first. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, it's pretty brutal, isn't it, for the thirds? Yeah, I just think, yeah, maybe we are the feeder teams, but you don't get that sense when the teams are assembled. It's sort of like these are the teams, mm. and obviously because all the teams do so well, and, and we're all playing in our respective leagues. Obviously, we're bossing our league at the minute, and it'd be a shame to disrupt our squad, how our squad's running, because we're blowing teams off the park every week. Yeah, it's the same Which with the second. I yeah. suppose is probably the reason why the thirds want the first one our players, because it's a statement of how good we are this season. But yeah, it can disrupt our squad massively. It, yeah, it's the same with the seconds, and I think uh, it's also unfair for the managers of the second and thirds because they're they're sort of they're given their players and they have to set up their team like based around that, and for them to. Have their place taken away with no say is I think it's unfair. I think as well it also comes down to the fact that they don't have very long to trial the players. No, yeah, that's true. Like when you think about trials, like trials this year were broken down into four stages, I think, maybe three. So and if each of those trials are an hour or even two let's say they're two hours long, that's not a lot of time to watch a player. When you consider how many players turn up to trials, it's not a lot of time. So I think even when they're selecting squads, they are still they've got a good idea of who would definitely be in the squads. But in terms of like fringe players or or players that may be competing for a starting place, they're not quite sure. And so I think it's easy for a, a player to slip through the cracks and maybe end up in the third team when, in fact, they are first team yeah. quality. Or maybe if they're having an off day during the trials. Yeah, or whatever. exactly. Um, um, maybe they could put something in place where the the firsts were allowed to take a set amount of players per season, so that it doesn't mess with the thirds too much, and they have that sort of going into the season. They know that they're probably going to have whatever set amount of players yeah. taken that it is. But um, I also think if the shoe is on the other foot, what's to stop the seconds taken from the thirds? Because it's the exact same thing. What w- what would you say? Would you not? welcome third players into the second team if, if, if need be well personally I think the current way the seconds are set up this season I don't think that's necessary I think the players we have um, are good enough and we can uh, the team the managers can work with them to make them better if they're sort of lacking in any way I don't think um, the seconds need to bring bring in any other players I think the squad's fine the way it is so I, is that is that is that the way the system currently works if the 
if the firsts want someone from one of the other teams, they can take them, but the seconds aren't allowed to take from the thirds? Or is it just I that it's, it's, it's not a written rule, it's just not a done I, thing? I don't think it's there's like a, a, a rule per mm-hmm. se. It's not sort of written in stone. It's just sort of how the managers um, work with each other that year. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the players from the thirds would necessarily be as enticed to go and play for the seconds. Because I think when, when you get asked to go and play for the first team, I think it's got a bit of a ring to it, hasn't it? But when... No disrespect to the seconds, but it's not it's not the top team. Yeah, like they're, they're a very good side. No disrespect to any of the players, but they're not the top team at the uni. Yeah. So I think maybe for if you're playing in the thirds and the seconds come out actually to play, you're probably less likely to say yes than yeah. you are to the first. So I think every probably every player wants to play for the first, don't they? That's why they've tried out. But yeah, no, I don't think I'm not saying that our players don't want to play for the first. I'm just saying it's a bit unfair to the managers or or the lads that are trying to to boss this league and win some trophies this season. Yeah, but it's also it's always that thing of like if you're sat in the thirds and you're watching a player go to the first, you're always gonna be like, oh, "Why are you leaving us?" But if you were that player, who is anyone to tell you not to go? Yeah, because um, it's something that you've earned at that stage. Yeah, but yeah, I don't I don't know know specifically how it works. Last or two seasons ago, Greg sort of had this. I think he had a really good understanding with both the second and the third team managers, and he especially the seconds and he especially when the season got tough after the seconds had been knocked out of the cup and so all those players were available in cup fixtures it was a case of using the seconds as almost like a reserve team mm-hmm. and so they would players were training to get into the first team squad on a match day and if they didn't make it they'd go and play with the seconds so yeah, I think KP got dropped, Radzi got dropped. I think Giorgio came Gior- down for a couple of weeks. Giorgio. But when those players do then get dropped, because they're then trying to prove themselves to get back into the squad, they end up playing better for the seconds yeah. or the thirds as well to get back into the So I do think the sort of hierarchy does help because if you're playing to be moved up, yeah, you play better. It promotes sort of healthy competition, doesn't yeah. it? Well, I think four players that started the cup final were actually from the seconds at some point in the season. I think there was Chris, Adam Key, Joe yeah. Lewis, so, Jack yeah. So Chris, the keeper, was second. Uh, Joe Lewis, the centre-back, was seconds. Uh, KP, who played at left-back, had been dropped to the seconds but was first team. Uh, Jack Cleveley was seconds. Jake Mann was seconds. I think Callum Norman was there about somewhere as always. Not Callum, Norman was, Callum Norman was on the bench. He was seconds. Mm. Um, and Giorgio had also been dropped, but he was seconds as well. So, But yeah, like I said, I think if if you're playing to play up or to be moved up, but if you're also playing with a fear of being moved down, it's healthy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's obviously... It, 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 it does... It, it, I can see where it's frustrating, but I think it's one of those things where, unfortunately, that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah, it, it can be frustrating for the lower teams, but I think you've got to look at it from the standpoint of, um, like, if a player has gone into the seconds or the thirds uh, after trials and then plays so well that they they get spotted by the first team and they're wanted by the gaffer, um, you know, I think you've got to look at it more as testament to the player that he's done so well to get spotted then the first team coming and taking whatever players they want from the other teams. I think you've got to look at it from that positive sort of standpoint. 
But again, obviously, for the managers of the seconds and the thirds, it's going to be irritating to have your best players taken throughout the season. Yeah, I think also there's no guarantee that if a player is playing well on the seconds or the thirds, that they, they're going to perform the exact same with the first. So they might be playing well because of the way the team's set up and also the first are in a much more difficult league. That's true. Yeah, I think team chemistry would probably play a big part of it yeah. as well. Yeah, well, credit to Ricky and Jude. When they did come on that cup game, they both slotted in fairly well, fairly comfortably, and they looked like first-team players. Um, so I, I guess it's just one of those where if if they would want to come and if the manager would want them permanently, that's obviously a conversation to be had. But obviously, if the player doesn't want to come, I can't imagine why a player necessarily wouldn't want to go up unless the only way I could think of it is if you're guaranteed games where you are. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to then go to the first to sit on the bench yeah. if I knew I wasn't going to start. Yeah. Um, so, like, for example, with the first team at the minute, the front three are on fire. They're on absolute fire and they're, they're unplayable. All three of them. So the idea of, like, a Taylor warden who's on fire for the seconds coming up to the first team doesn't make sense because you can't play all four of them and if i if i was taylor i'd be saying i'm in too good form to not be playing yeah. so i would rather stay at the yeah. seconds than and play week in week out than go to the first and sit on the bench because there aren't a lot of games in uni football seasons so you want to play as much as you can which is another reason why i do sort of get what you're saying as well yeah also the for like the seconds this season for example at the moment they're unbeaten and they're um first in the league and they're still in the cup competition and uh, the players might want might want to like um finish the season with the seconds so maybe try and go and beat and try and win both trophies so they might not want to change teams because of that yeah i think um i'm not too sure about the seconds but i know the thirds are a very tight-knit squad and they're all like really good mates they're a proper close bunch so maybe just based on that, they wouldn't want to move to a different team because they wouldn't want to sort of go away from where their mates are playing. Yeah, definitely. So, what do we think in terms of closing this off? Any final thoughts? I think that it does promote healthy competition, and so I, I probably look at it as a, as a good thing because it gives those players the opportunity to go and play at a higher level. Yeah, so I, I completely agree with Sean. I think if the player wants to move up, and the team's there and wants them. I, I don't think the, the, the club or the, the lower team should be able to stand in the way of, of that, that progression, which is, I think, a natural progression through the teams. What do you guys think? Uh, I think ultimately, um, if the managers of all three teams um, are able to communicate um, about this issue in a healthy way, then I think uh, whatever they decide is fine, as long as they're, they're, them and the players are okay with it. Yeah. I could see how it would be frustrating. I, well, I can see because I'm part of the third team, really. So, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's just frustrating for the lower teams and unfair on the managers sometimes for uh, players to just for them not to have any say about the players in their squads and maybe losing players that are integral to their setups and just yeah. What do you think, Dylan? Um, I agree with Connor. I think. Uh, I think the managers should be able to keep the players that they want for, regardless of whatever team they're on. I think the players should be able to also have a say about um, whether or not they want to stay on the teams that they're on. So I think it's sort of a 2-2 a split in terms of me and Sean and who who, who are representing 
sort of the top teams. Maybe we could put it to a poll on Twitter. Yeah, maybe. See what, see what the listeners think. Should, maybe. Should the first be allowed to nab the players of the other teams? But yeah, it, yeah, it, it the, the split almost makes sense because a lot of the, the, the girls are competing in terms of for starting places or even to make the match day squad for the women's. Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, but there's probably about 30 players in the women's academy and there's only a match day squad of sort of 14, 15 players. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of competition within the within the women's academy to get into the starting squad, and I'm sure if there were were a player in the in the academy that hadn't had any minutes that season, then they were starting to show that they had good potential and they were quality and good enough to get into that first team. By all means, they'd they'd be into the into the match day squad. Yeah, but the the divide almost does make sense because you guys are, are are representing in in on a Wednesday sort of the teams where the players in question are getting. Stolen, yeah, uh, from, and we're sort of representing teams that sort of benefit from that sort of that sort of operations. So yeah, the split does make sense, and I think it's it's something that definitely needs to be done in the right way. But um, agreeing to disagree is definitely, yeah, I think where this is going to be left. Cool. Yeah. So that is the end of part three. Stick around for part four, where we'll be bringing you uh, this week's fixtures. Welcome to part four, where we're going to be looking forward to this week's fixtures. Uh, so where are you, lads, this week? So we're on match week seven now, aren't we? Yes. Um, so the women's team are, well, we have the exact same fixture as last week, but this time it's in the cup against Chichester. Um, it's a 1pm kickoff at Silver Jubilee Park. And yeah, hopefully we can have a repeat result of last week. But again, it's not clear as to whether they're going to be filled in the same sort of team as they did last time or whether it's going to be like the one from match week one which managed to beat us so um yeah again it's, it's it's going to be the one that we have to see how it goes on the day uh, but with the form that we're in i think if we were in that sort of form at the start of the season we would have been able to pick up the win no matter what team they fielded um so yeah i think it's 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 going to be a tough one but hopefully we'll advance to the next round of the cup i think it's a cup week for everyone this week um mm. we're away to uh, the University of Reading, uh, their uh, second team, and they are in our tier for the league fixtures. They're just on the other side, so they're tier A and we're tier B. Um, so it looks as though it would be a, a really tough game. Uh, but one thing that's obviously going to be that Jake and, and his team will be looking to exploit is that they've actually conceded 10 goals in four games this season. And obviously, our our players, are, our strikers are on fire at the minute. So, hopefully, we can get some sort of some sort of chances going and put them away as we have been doing, and then get into the, the quarterfinals of the cup, and then focus back on the league again for the last two fixtures of twenty twenty one. So the seconds are also a cup game in the conference trophy um, away to sorry. Um, who they've not played before. I'm not, I'm not sure where Surrey are. Um, I'm not sure which league Surrey are in, but uh, UCFB are going to look at this like like every other game they've played this season. They're just going to carry on, try to remain unbeaten. They've scored three goals in every game, so they're going to try to do the same thing in this one. Um, a win a win in this game would um, take UCFB to the last 16 of the cup. A win um, in this game would take UCFB to the quarterfinals of the cup. Uh, they're going to try to look to go all the way this season and remain unbeaten. Uh, so kickoffs at two pm away to Surrey. Uh, the thirds don't have a game this week uh, due to us 
getting knocked out of the cup uh, on penalties. So I'm sure all the third players will be down at Silver Jubilee supporting uh, the women still at home, aren't they? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Maybe someone will be playing for the first. Yeah. And then maybe a couple of them will be nicked again, yeah. That was that was so salty. That was, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. The uh, I'm sure the thirds will be making a lot of noise at Silver Jubilee Park, just as the rugby boys were uh, last week. They were great again, supporting us, and they were massive part of the reason why we managed to kick on and come from behind. Yeah, we in that game to take the lead. Yeah, I think the the women's team have really enjoyed it uh, the last few game weeks that we've had at Silver Jubilee Park. We haven't had an away day for quite a while, um, but since since we've sort of had that support from I think the, the rugby lads and the thirds um, that's when we've started scoring a lot of goals so maybe it has something to do with it I, I think the support is massively important I think it it just the roar of the crowd gives you that extra gear and, and also the mental aspect it has on the opposition because they won't uni players won't be used to taking or having to deal with that sort of atmosphere and having so having that atmosphere there is is something that the UCFB teams can really thrive off of. I think uh, with a cup fixture as well, um, where the situation is win or get knocked out, the home supports are sort of going to be enhanced. Yeah, well, I'm I I'm confident that sort of with with UCFB's ability to to get through the the, the cup, but yeah, that that I think that home support is going to be a real key feature for Reading if if they do have players turn up um, or players if they do have fans turn up um, obviously we will be doing away days next week with them so you can find that out on how well supported they were at home on next week's episode um, but yeah I think I, I just think in cup games in more so because it's obviously someone has to win having that home support can really help you out um, if you're under the cosh or you're having a difficult moment so Hopefully, the Red Hin support isn't as good as ours has been the last couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on Wednesday at Blue Check Wembley. Make sure you grab your four shots for a tenner. Take care.